0: Hello and welcome. We are here live with the dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Jay Fletch of Edina Realty. Thanks for coming today, Jay. I don't use the word dynamic lightly because you truly are off camera here. We've been off recording talking to Jay about all kinds of sorts of good stuff. But thanks for coming today, Jay.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me and honored to be here. I think dynamic might be a little bit of an oversell, but we'll see what we can do. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe dynamic means opinionated, but yeah, there you go. definitely that.
0: I'm a dynamic veteran of the real estate. I also have my wingman, Mr. Stieg
2: Sando. That's me. And Happy our, to be here. Our, uh, I'm, dynamic, I'm dynamic, aren't I? You're dynamic. Yeah, sure. <laughs> whatever the hell, whatever uh, dynamic means.
1: You mean, you mean you're not here just so you will get fined?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and our opinionated business development manager, Jessica on there. Mm-hmm.
2: Hello. I kid. I
0: kid.
1: <laughs> so,
0: yeah, Jay, he's been around these parts. How long have you been in real estate for?
1: This would be, uh, April will be 26 years. 26 so years. So 26 years selling real estates. Be April will be 26 years. I uh, started initially with the Dyna Realty. Oh, you never um, left? Well, I did leave. Okay. Um, I left and I uh, came back. I, you know, I created my own company there for a period of time. In the last 10 years, I've been also coaching real estate with one of the national companies. But, yeah, so it's, I'm heavily involved in this
0: business. Back up a second. You yeah. left and you didn't. How long, how long did you leave for and why didn't it work? Probably
1: interested um, people. It's to so probably would have been back in... I got in real estate in 97, and then I sold for Edina Realty for probably would have been about four years I sold for Edina Realty, and then I went on my own. One of the reasons why I went on my own is Edina wasn't as strong as a brand in my marketplace, oh, right. mm-hmm. and I was operating out of Hammond, oh. Wisconsin at the time, mm-hmm. Hammond and Baldwin. And That's not where you're from, right? No, from New Richmond. That's the So, you know, I just, it's like anything else. thought I could do it better. Ultimately, what worked out to find is, you know, with a big brokerage, regardless whichever brokerage you're with, there's a lot of tools and resources you don't appreciate until you no longer have them. Mm -hmm. So I went out on my own. I created a company called White Ridge Real Estate. Operated that company for about three to four years somewhere in there and then got back into talks with the Diner Realty to come back into the fold. One of the carrots that were dangled in front of me was I wanted a legitimate office space in New Richmond. <laughs> and that's uh, so that was that was kind of they were operating out of an old split entry house at the time oh, wow. uh, up on the <laughs> west side. And so New Richmond? in New Richmond. Wow. And uh, went and worked there for, I don't know, maybe it was a year before they got an office space set up in the Richmond. And then we went there and worked out in the Richmond and everything fed through Hudson. Got but, it.
0: Yeah. And then eventually in 2010, you moved to Lake Elmo.
1: Is that right? Or? Oh, I bought the Lake Elmo building probably in 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. I moved to Woodbury as my office probably 2010, 2012, somewhere in there then bought Lake Elmo, and then we have our own office. We're still with the Woodbury Edina Realty okay. Brokerage, but we have our own office space where my team operates out of that in itself as a, mm-hmm. a journey, a challenge, and, and quite frankly, some days it was a fight to get my own office. Mm-hmm. Again, what I would tell people is the beauty of having your own office, you dictate your own culture, it's only your clients come in the door you can leave things on the fax machine and not worry about who sees them you can decorate the way you want to decorate it you can have as much office space no one's going to tell you how much what you can and can't do I can have the financial channel up on there I can watch football I can do all that the bad thing is it comes with a lot of expense like I you know I got to pay for my own copies I got to pay for my own toilet paper I got to pay for the lights I got to pay for the staff we feel it gives a better experience for our clients having our own office where we can control the culture i also feel that in the main office even though i love the staff there i didn't have the ability or the authority to tell send someone home if they're having a bad day Um, so it's one of those things where i think all real estate agents to some degree are control freaks and that's essentially why i got my own office is i wanted to control the environment and it's you and brian that sell. brian bogey fellow canadian yeah, so Get Brian next time, but yeah, Who I else met is on the team? Brian. Yeah, so we met Brian 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago, I met Brian, he was an agent that came in, he had an office across from me, super really good guy, down to earth, if there's a yin and a yang, he is definitely the opposite <laughs> of me. Um, who's the yin and who's the yang? Uh, <laughs> Whichever one's calmer is Brian. <laughs> so he keeps me grounded. He's become one of my best friends. I would even say at this point, he's, he's a family. He's a brother from the, another mother. <laughs> but what the whole thing with Brian came is when I went to set up a team, I went to the manager at e Realty at the time and said, hey, I, I'm going to build a team and I need a buyer's agent which is absolutely the wrong way to start a team. Yeah. You should start a team with an admin person first. Let's go on record. But nonetheless, I told them I need a buyer's agent. They said, hey, what about Brian? And I said, oh, no. I said, I said I'm said going to go out and find one. And I go, but in the meantime, I go, I'll, I'll see if Brian wants to help me out with my, my work table. So that's essentially how we started. It was, hey, would you come and help me out with some of these leads while I go look for a team? Wow. And um and that fast forward. Compliment. Yeah, be yeah. <laughs> my team while yeah. I go look for them. eleven years later, he's still with me. I can't imagine not having him there. We have five so When yeah, you finally do find
2: that right buyer's <laughs> agent. Yeah. What are you Brian. gonna say to Brian? How's that conversation?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well the good the good news is my structure and uh, team, I don't ever have plan to have a buyer's agent on my team ever again.
2: Yeah, we were talking about that before the podcast started and you were seeing some real interesting things and we said, whoa, whoa, hold it the kill. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for the podcast. <laughs> Jay, yeah. but talk a little bit about that and the structure of your team and how you see things going in the future.
1: So my team is currently we're made up of five full-time employees. They're all W-2. Brian is the only person on the team that is based on commission. And Brian essentially came on the team and filled the role of a buyer's agent. Now, I use that term with a little bit of disgust because he doesn't operate as a buyer's agent. He operates as a real estate partner. He does listings. He does buyers at this point. He also helps out in operations and management. So he's basically my right hand. If if something happened to me tomorrow... Brian would take over the team. It would be his team. Whether he wants to change the name or not, that's fine. Is he plotting anything? Uh, <laughs> no, he's, you know. He's, pretty, too, he's Canadian. He's too he's nice to do that. And I think when you go to build a team, you've got to look at other aspects of it. Like, if you look at Brian and you go back to his his college and his hockey career, Brian is one of the best team members to have. Like, if you're in a dark alley, you want to have Brian with you, right? <laughs> and the beauty about it is... Is that because you can outrun him? And- no, no, <laughs> because he'll have your back, right? Uh-huh. So, so like if we relate it to football, Brian is like an offensive lineman, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't do my job without him having him there. Like he protects me from so many things. He's got my blind side. You're the quarterback. Yes, in this case, yes. And so when you build this team, essentially, if you look at it, you need all those roles, you need a wide receiver to get downfield, You need a running back that can pick up yards. You also need a running back that can pick up blocks. So you, that's sh- essentially you should share this
2: with the Vikings. I don't yeah. know if they know this. <laughs> I
1: think he's a
2: Packers fan. I'm yeah. just going to go Well,
1: there. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we, go. We, we all, we talk all got about that. So about everyone's that. got their role. <laughs> Everybody's got their role. And, yeah. and, and when you look at it, when you look at building teams, so ours is set up where we have five full-time employees. I think at one time we had seven full-time employees. And that would be the largest the team ever was. Brian currently right now is only team Member on commission. We are in discussions now to bring him inside the W two aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Probably give him ownership of the team as well. Well, I do not want to ever build a real estate team again and have quote unquote buyer agents or agents that operate underneath me, which is completely different than I know everybody else is doing. mm -hmm. But here's the thing behind it is, at some point, it's not if, it's when. They will leave. And what you have is you essentially have a divorce, Mm -hmm. and it's ugly. So if you think of it as a team lead, I generate the lead. I hand that lead off to an agent. That agent now proceeds to develop a very strong relationship with that lead. So then now if something was to happen and we go our separate ways, that agent has a relationship with the lead, not me. Yeah. Mm And so essentially, I can't fault the lead for wanting to stay with the relationship. Mm-hmm. And this is where these team leads and these agents butt heads, because you can have an entire team of agents leave you and overnight they gut your business. Yeah, They gut all that future referrals. And so by having employees, you own the lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the role isn't really different. It's just
2: the structure and then sort of
1: the ownership of the relationships right so you own the lead and now with the when you look at with everything else that's coming on with the lawsuits that have occurred the press that has occurred i just think even more now than ever it's going to make it tougher for a quote-unquote buyer's agent to make any money and if they're not making any money they're probably not staying with on the team very long
2: can you okay, so you talk you talk about the the lawsuits and the bad press. Now we're not just talking about Brad's personal life. We're talking about <laughs> <Not> the, <laughs> the real estate industry. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think you've got an interesting perspective on it.
1: Simply put, simply put, a group of sellers a group of sellers went out and basically sued the largest real estate brands and several MLSs saying, why are they paying for buyer's agent mm-hmm. right. yep. and, and fundamentally if you look at it there is some legitimate question there mm-hmm. they're paying they're paying for that person to negotiate against their best interests it's that's, an antitrust suit that's, yeah, that's the part of it where i understand mm-hmm. where where if i'm a seller i'm going man this Stig's the best agent in the marketplace and the buyer hires him mm-hmm. i'm paying for one of the best negotiators to work against me right mm-hmm. i get that What the sellers, I don't think, understand, though, is by offering that compensation out, you get more people to come look at your listing. You get more eyeballs to do it. So, in theory, more attention on your listing, more buyers to come look at it, more agents promoting it, you'd essentially get more money for it. But they kind of look at it and said, I don't think the seller should have to pay for that fee. Now... As this grows legs, as this takes on, there's some marketplaces where the disclosure of that fee, the conversations of that fee, the negotiation of that fee has been broken out in their forms. Minnesota's one of them. Wisconsin's one of them. So now in other places, East Coast, West Coast, you are seeing some of these MLSs eliminated altogether, mm-hmm. which is going to cause buyer agents to have to now negotiate with their buyer on how they get paid yep. prior to going showing the property. Now, in theory, that should have been happening anyways, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. You probably have heard buyer's agents say this, work with me, it's free. Yep. No, buy a house with me, it's free. Well, the reason why they said that is because the MLS would have a compensation for them. Mm -hmm. So they would look at the compensation and take the compensation. But even even then, if the buyer wanted to buy a for sale by owner, There was no compensation for that buyer's agent, so they would have had to have an awkward conversation if that happened. So I just think when you're going to look at the marketplace, you're going to see some changes. You're going to see some state change forms. You're going to see some things like that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, buyer's agents are going to have to get really good at negotiating their fee, negotiating their value, or at least demonstrating their value. Otherwise, you're going to see a push for people just to go right with the listing agent. Mm-hmm. Do you think it? Do you think in the end the commission being
2: paid out by the seller is going to change? Like right now, there's a standard percent. Do you
1: think that percent is going to change because of this lawsuit? So, first thing I would say is there is not a standard percent. Okay. The general consumer thinks there is. And that's oh. one of the reasons why we're in this mess. So, your commission rate right now is negotiable. You have some agents right now charging. I've heard some agents charge. I've heard some agents charge 4.0. You have some agents that are charging seven. So right now commission is, commission is negotiable. Now here's where it's interesting. I walk in and I charge a seller 7%. I'm putting on the MLS. I'm paying out three to that buyer's agent. So the the buyer's agents never had to negotiate their commission. They just look it up and go, well, this one's paying me three. This one's paying me two, five. This one's paying me two, seven. Mm -hmm. So What I foresee and some of the things I'm seeing on the national level when I'm dealing with some of my my students on the coaching platform, you are seeing some listing agents list properties and then put nothing for compensation for a buyer. Mm -hmm. So those buyers will have to have conversations with their agents on how that's going to be handled. So I think you're going to see either the same thing continue to happen in our states, Minnesota and Wisconsin, because both these states, you have to disclose that. Or you may see people start negotiating like this. They may say, hey, I typically get 7% to list a home. These are all the duties I do, this is all the value I bring. Now of that 7%, I'm paying out three to a buyer's agent. And I can see a seller say, well then let's do four and don't pay the buyer's agent anything. And then in my case, I would come back and say, I can see your logic in that. What if the buyer doesn't have an agent though? These are all the new tasks and duties I have to pick up because that buyer doesn't have an agent. So then I would probably say, okay, it's seven if the buyer comes with an agent, or it is five if the buyer doesn't come with an agent, then I'm getting paid four to sell your property, marketing, negotiate, yeah. and I'm getting one to handle paperwork. Yeah. So you're going to probably see more of that happen. Interesting. Experience is going to matter. And yeah. People yeah. that can handle. Yeah, there's, what's, what if I'm, if I'm a buyer's agent right now, or anybody in the, looking at this, what I would be focusing on is I'd be sharpening my skills on negotiating mm-hmm. I, I'd be, and, and demonstrating my value. Jay, do you think the ultimate, what's ultimately going to happen from this is going to be in the best interest of the consumer? I think right now, the changes they're trying to make are not in the best interest of the consumer. But I think ultimately, as everything goes, it's a pendulum swing. Mm-hmm. We're swinging really far one way, and as it swings back, it will get there eventually it won't be there right now if you eliminate a buyer's agent fee altogether from your listing mm-hmm. i do not think that's in the benefit of the seller because. even though that's the basis of the lawsuit right because you're not getting you're, you're not getting people to push the property right. you're not right. getting people to bring it in fact what you're getting is almost the opposite where yeah. where they go look at it and say man this they're not paying me anything and so we'd like to say everybody works on above board and ethical but the reality of it is if that buyer's agent is faced with a mortgage payment, a car payment, how much are they going to push a property that's not paying them to sell it? Right. Well, and then in a situation like that, if there's no
2: buyer's agent fee offered by the seller's agent, if I'm a buyer's agent, do I call you up and say, I see you got this property listed. You're not paying anybody anything to bring... Talk before before I send it to my clients.
1: Let's talk about what you're going to pay me to do that. Is yeah. that are the, is that kind of? I foresee three things happening. Okay, let's see. <laughs> one would be just that. Yep. The buyer's agent would call the listing Did agent you, and say increase the seller side a little. Yep. Right. So I see that. That's one. I also see the buyer's agent unethically discouraging their client from seeing that property. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. I see that happening. And then the third thing would be. The third thing would be, I see the buyer getting frustrated with their agent because maybe they didn't respond fast enough or they didn't show that property. And then that buyer going, yes. And then that buyer go directly to the seller's agent. So I think it's going to be one of those three things. I would hope most of it would be negotiation first. In our states, Minnesota and Wisconsin, one thing I've stressed to a lot of people here is, I think it's going to be business as usual for a while. You are going to see some agents you're going to see some agents remove it from MLS, but there are companies that are doing that now. There's mm-hmm. some companies now that only pay out 1% now, mm-hmm. and they've been around okay. because we we can, in Minnesota and Wisconsin, both our states have that negotiating already built in.
0: Well, you know, when Steve and I see for sale by owners, boy, is it a nightmare. So <laughs> I hope both sides <laughs> coexist somehow because yeah.
1: you know who becomes the agent when there's a for sale by owner. <laughs> yeah, the, no, no, yeah. No, I... I both agents have a role and a valuable role in the process. I just believe that these agents are going to have to learn if you're a buyer's agent right now, you got to learn how to negotiate, you got to learn how to demonstrate your value, and even then, the most important thing you got to learn prospecting and lead generation. Mm-hmm. Days days of joining a team because the team leader is going to send you a bunch of leads, mm-hmm. those days are probably going to be dramatically reduced. There's some big companies right now that I'm seeing big companies and big teams. I'm seeing just from afar watching it going, man, this is really hitting your business. Mm-hmm. And I know there's some people are probably going to listen to the podcast go, man, I had I had eight buyer's agents on my team now and I'm, I'm down to seven. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, whether people like my advice or or seek it out, there's a lot of my competitors that will call me. And they start the conversation as, they start the conversation in in the sense where it's like, I don't want anybody to know this, but this is what I'm facing. And those phone calls I've gotten the last three months Mm -hmm. have been 100% about their agents either leaving Mm -hmm. or their agents not making any money because, you know, you've had the higher interest rates. You've had low inventory, a lot fewer sales. Mm -hmm. And the first people that get hurt are commission-based, quote-unquote, buyer's agents. Yeah. Another tip that I can give, if you are one of those teams out there where you do have buyer's agents and you like them and want to keep them, I think you have to stop calling them a buyer's agent. I think you have to start calling them a real estate partner Mm -hmm. or an agent and give them the ability to list and also start to train them on how to generate their own leads. Mm -hmm. Start to train them how to create their own database, even if their database is just their friends and family, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and give them the ability to generate and play and and work their database to generate more than just buyer and seller leads so they can be effective. Otherwise, if they're just gonna depend on your lead generation, well, they're gonna leave at some point.
2: But that was my next question. So do you think there'll be some natural attrition as a result? Because a lot of real a lot of people want to be realtors, but it's that lead generation and that beat in the streets type of thing that they don't want to do. So they rely on someone like you to do it and so are those people is it going to be sort of a calling of the herd where those people are just going to have to find something else to do other than be in real estate and it'll be
1: yes people like you uh, yes for a lot of reasons i mean for a lot of reasons i'm trying to think who said it Oh, ben Franklin? No. <laughs> ben Franklin has some great sayings. Um, one of them is uh, don't sell it and promote it unless you're going to get paid for it. Um, but I can't That's think of. That's what we've been doing around. around. <laughs> so one of the, one of the big talking heads in real estate made this comment. They made the comment that if you don't figure out how to negotiate your fee, someone else will. Lead generate and demonstrate your value and you're currently a buyer's agent you better start looking for a new profession now because you're going to see a lot of them you're going to see a lot of them go out and and that's another reason why going forward and and as me and brian worked on another thing we don't want to have commission-based agents on our team Mm -hmm. because i want it set up like a business and and there's a lot of really great realtors Mm -hmm. and but a lot of them are poor business owners yeah I want to generate a business where, if you think about it for a second, that my revenue my revenue, compensates me enough to pay all my expenses so I have profit. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm the only person generating the deals, I'm no longer a business, I'm a realtor. So, in order to take money from my personal deals to pay the team... I'm essentially I'm essentially paying to have a team. I'm paying to have a business. Mm -hmm. That would be like the Walmart Mm greeter sending a check up to Sam Walmart because they're short on money. That's stealing from your own family. So every time I have to use one of my personal transactions to pay my team, I'm stealing from my family. Mm -hmm. So how I set my business up is I don't have personal transactions. I have team transactions. My team pays me every two weeks. I'm on a salary. I see so I'm on a salary I get paid every two weeks and at the end of the year I'll give myself a really nice bonus or I'll take a draw against the company do you see yourself having to storm into your own office and demand that (laughs) of yourself (laughs) here's the good part about it and this is this is what I yeah so this is what (laughs) uh, this is what I told one of my students recently one of my students recently based out of um, out of Texas she said man JF got a you know, we look at P and L, and she goes, "Look at my staff in comparison to my P and L, in comparison to my production." And I'm like, "You are overstaffed." And so, in a business, if you're overstaffed, you cut staff. And this is what I had to tell her. I go, "You have to make a decision similar to what I have to make. Is is it people first or is it profit first? If you're profit first, you have to cut staff if your P and L does not support it after three months. Mm-hmm. If you're people first, then you have to look back to those really big months where you made where you made boatloads of money. I hope you put some of it away because now you're going to have to take from that boatloads of money to pay your people because you don't have the units to keep the boom. And that's where you kind of have to decide what business you want to run. I want to run a people first. So if we have a month where we have very little production, mm-hmm. I'm taking first from the business accounts. And if there's not enough in the business accounts, I have to go into my personal account and give my business a cash infusion because, you know, some of those months back, you know, last year or the year before, mm-hmm. where where I made more in a month than my entire company made the first year I was in real estate, mm-hmm. I took that money out. Yeah. So my my employee the other thing too is about setting up an employee base, is my employees all have four oh one K. I'm helping oh, out their financial picture, That's right? It's unique for the industry? It's very unique for the industry. But you look at one of the lessons I learned is really comes down to this. If you're going to build a team and everybody talks about, hey, our team is family. You've heard that a hundred times, right? Yes. Or they put it up on a wall. You know, another thing I'm really sick of seeing is people putting up mission <laughs> statements on the wall and values and beliefs and then they don't live by it. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things that like having a Brian on your team, Brian challenged me. We put something up on the wall an incident came up, and I'm like going, absolutely not. And Brian's like, points to the wall and says, <laughs> it goes against who we are. So Brian's one that holds me accountable, though, some days. So it, on the team building, if you really want your team to be family, you have to look at from this perspective. If that employee was your little brother, what would you offer your little brother? If you own the business and you want the business to be family, I look at it and be like, if my little brother worked for me, i want him to have vision, I want to have dental. Mm. I want him to have 401K. I want him to save money. I want, him, I want to make sure that he is better off by working for me. Otherwise, he should go work for another company right, yeah. if I can't give him. So everybody on my team, we take that approach. We have health benefits for them. We have 401K. We have profit sharing. And that's one of the reasons why people look at my team and go, man, Jay doesn't have the turnover like so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys work with a lot of agents. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm that's sure you, you, you send an email out to them. And you think it's their assistant, and they're like, "Well, that person no longer works here." Yeah. I mean, how many times that happened to you, right? Yeah. So I want to have it where I want to have it where if you're going to come and try to poach one of my people, you, you better be bringing enormous amount of value. Yeah. Like it better be. You better have 401k. You better you know. We feed people in our office. We have a full kitchen in our office. Mm-hmm. I pay for all the food, and, and so so I think our food bill is like fifteen hundred a month. Wow. our food bills about as much as my mortgage. We got to step over there. <laughs> so, but that's all part of that's all part of the concept of we got we got it up on our wall in our kitchen. Our team is family, and so up on the wall is pictures of every one of the team members. It's pictures of all their family. Hmm. Like I know their kids' names. Mm-hmm. We give their kids birthday gifts. Like if you're really going to try to build a team that's family, live it talk walk well and plus
2: like you said there's low turnover it's like at bell bank the owners have a saying happy employees make for happy customers and it sounds like my next question to you is going to be how does that how does your your paradigm or your ideology of family how does that help your clients you know obviously it's great for your people who work for you
1: but how does it relate to your clients? well you're, you're you're spot on i mean the The better you take care of your people, they take care of your clients better. And and what happens is you got to start looking at it from the perspective of I can only do so much. I don't recognize when one of my clients are going through a struggle because I might be removed. So if you if you take care of your people and you elevate your people, you cater to your people, the more you cater to your staff and your team, the more they're going to cater to the clients. And so it sets an example. And so that's a big part of it. And really, when you, when you happen to it, one of the things that we're working on this year is interesting enough is, so you look at the number of transactions we did. I think last year was just over 200. The year before that, it was like 237, I believe. So if you look at the transactions, here's one of the things I, I ask my team this, and I ask myself this all the time. Did we deliver one experience 200 times? Mm. Or did we deliver 200 separate experiences? And the problem is, if you deliver 200 separate experiences, you will not get referrals. Or at least you won't get many of them. But if you deliver one experience 200 times, you will get a lot of referrals. Because when your referrers go out there, they set the expectation before they even come into your business. So, for instance, one of the things that we do is we always send a treat in the mail once we get an offer accepted whether it's on a listing or a buy site. We send a treat in the mail, usually these brownies. So- We copy you many years ago. Uh, so, so what happens is, think of it this way. If one of your clients got these brownies mm-hmm. and that would blew them away, that was like a wow factor for them. <laughs> the next and, one to- <laughs> and now they go and tell their brother-in-law, man, we worked with Jay, he took care of it, did this. They could sell everything Possibly could sell. They could, they could repeat your resume. But if they really were big on the brownies and you didn't send the brownies, <laughs> you just lost them as a referral. Yeah. Because they were expecting yeah. the brownies. That's right. It's like going to what's that Zappos. When you order food at Zappos, if they forget your chocolate-covered dip, tra- strawberry, oh, yeah. what do you do? You go up there and say, you forgot my strawberry. Because it's, it, it's- I've it's, never been to Zappa. Oh, Zappa's. Oh, Oh, Zappa's the excavator really out of Hudson. Yeah. yeah. Good <laughs> <laughs> excavator. So Zuppa's. He, Zupa's. he give <laughs> you, give you the chocolate no, he does not. The excavator does Zappa have. does not give it, Zuppa's does. <laughs> Zupa, but okay. but if you think about it, if that's the expectation that was set, you're expecting it, and when you don't get something that you're expecting, now you're disappointed. And if you're disappointed, good luck getting a referral. Yeah. Good luck getting a referral. And and the way when you start to do it and you start about building a team, you want what we would call pickle people. No different than McDonald's. So McDonald's has a person that puts the pickles on the bun. They have a person that puts the ketchup on the bun. They have a person that cooks the burger. They have a person that does the bun. They have a person that wraps it. So when you go to McDonald's, if you order a cheeseburger, whether you're in New York, Singapore, L.A., San Diego, you're going to get... The same cheeseburger. No, I'm not endorsing McDonald's here. I'm just saying that's what you want your business to be. Yeah. You want your business to be so if someone comes in, yeah. they're getting that. And when you do that and you do it over time with the same people, now you start to get some really magic happening. You get this compounding effect. I feel
0: like we're talking
1: to, like, Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's I mean, not to tutor
2: our mom, but... We have a pretty solid team. With everyone has yeah, their role, their job, their and, thing. And the
1: beauty, the beauty behind it too is, and this is what a lot of these teams don't understand, is the longer, the longer a core group of people together, that's where you get growth. So when people are talking about growth, and then they're looking at, they're looking at their growth table, and they're getting just a, a steady growth, they're getting a nice steady growth. It's probably because they have people parts interchanging. Or they get this, and you've seen this a lot of real estate teams, they get a steady growth and then they take a big drop, and then steady growth, big drop. That's happening when a key person leaves. Mm -hmm. To get the growth where you start off nice and slow and then it skyrockets, that growth there, that happens when you have the same people, core people together, that stay together. They can finish each other's sentences. Mm -hmm. They already know what you're doing. They don't have to worry about it. I don't have to check in. And that's when you get some magic. And what I've realized studying real estate business is what I realized in the real estate business, and I don't know about the mortgage side of it, but in the real estate business, you need a dominant team lead. You need a dominant. <laughs> you, need, you need a dominant ops person. You need a dominant sales support person. Fantastic. And if you have these three and those three can be together three years, four years, five years, you can have other parts come in and be interchangeable like a marketing person like uh, a social media you can have those people come in and be interchangeable if the core stays there and the bigger you can make the core and the longer the core stays together the more the exponential growth you're going to have the more rocket ship growth you're going to have and then when you start to look at it when you look at you talk about bringing people on a team like I tell somebody on a team in real estate it takes a brand new person six months to know their job that's if you don't change it. That's if you train them. That's if you give them the proper expectation. Mm-hmm. What most real estate teams do is they don't train them, they don't give them proper expectation, and they change their job up six times in that six months. <laughs> yeah. So they, oh, I hired you as a transaction coordinator, but then you have them doing social media. Mm-hmm. So it takes six months for them to know their job in real estate. It takes 12 months for them to be a master at their job. Now, what happens is most people don't even make 12 months, they're swapping out those parts so fast. That you don't know what you got, right? But that's where the magic happens. A lot of teams just—they
0: don't operate like you do. As far as I can tell, they're not. Yeah, no, They, I think they lack that consistency or that focus right. on the on the goal. Or... Yeah, that's. I mean, that's remarkable, commendable, all of it. You know, talking to you, were you a good student in school?
2: <laughs>
0: I, yeah. I, in school, yes. You were, Because okay? yeah, okay. you, you know, you come across as like you're so street smart, right? Where yeah. I say that jokingly because I mean I like school, but I wasn't. Up. <laughs> You are these kids that are 4.0s, which wasn't me. I don't know. Maybe you were 4.0, but you have all the intangibles of street smart and understanding and team and people and where mm-hmm. I think some agents miss that or they just don't have that or that level of care is above and beyond others. That's
1: yeah, so, saying. I mean, I was I was pretty good in school. I was probably the student you probably hated the most. I wouldn't have to pay attention. I wouldn't have to take notes. Time. I show up and I did well. My daughter on the other side, she is extremely smart but she has to study she has to do the work and she does the work and and that's why she's extremely smart but um smart and and street smart (laughs) i I, so one thing i would say is this is i'm a seminar coaching junkie i've trained underneath tony robbins i mean i spent 18 days with tony robbins in fiji in a little island called savu savu with a very intimate party how long ago was that uh, that was in two thousand and thirteen. Wow, wow. I've trained under some amazing people. Um Edward J. C. Smith, who's probably considered the number one coach in the UK right now in LP. He's got it all dialed in. He's one he's one of the one of the best coaches. So I've trained under some great people. I I do have a master's degree. So I went to St. Thomas. All of that was in pursuit of getting better. Wow. I do read about a book a week. If you go to my house, I have a very extensive library study in my house, so I, I you have do. You your s- own book, right? I remember you gave it to me. I, yeah, I have, uh, I have my own book, yeah.
0: Actually, shout out to Jay. I don't know if you remember this, Steve. We went to your seminar at Mike Elmo at Oak Marsh. It must have been when we first started thought, uh, about seven years ago. Oh, yeah. And you told your story when you started in real estate. I had pay back tax. remarkable story, and all that. <laughs> it was a valuable lesson. But then you also gave everyone the eight and a half by 14. I still have it on my desk. You'll laugh. <laughs> the sheets of 10 calls a day a lot daily success plan yeah, and yeah. I, for my first two years of L, I mean I wouldn't leave until
2: that was done and I, you, you probably didn't know that but that's that's yeah what it works, yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah the process works you follow yeah. the process
1: and I think that's where it really comes down to is it's if you're gonna get good at something get good at something that's worth getting good at and uh all of that process, everything was just someone else did it before me that, right. that you know, kind of reached down. And, and that was, I mean, so what you guys probably don't know is I, I told you, I told you for the last 10 years, I've been coaching for a company called The Core. Are you
0: still doing
1: that? We'll get to there. Okay. <laughs> so I've been coaching for the company called The Core, owned by Rick Ruby. My main mentor was Kendra Cook. And The Core is, The Core has done worlds for me. It's been, been one of the things they, you know, I've been coaching for them. Paid coach, professional coach, one of the top coaches across the country. Although several of us left it recently, and so we built our own coaching company in a very short period of time. So now, adding to the resume, not only do I coach now, but I'm, I'm one of the co founders of a company called B, just like it is B E, period. B E, B Coaching and Consulting. Our website is Go Be Great com, And essentially what B coaching is, is essentially we like, if you look at go be great, that in itself is talking about the company go is the action we need. We need the student to take action, to recognize where they're at, to plan out where they want to go. B, the middle word is really the name of our coaching company. We feel that we feel that it's already within the student to be a, and obtain anything they want to seek out. They just need somebody to hold them accountable. They need somebody to help push them. They need someone to show them the path, give them the steps, you know, help navigate them through that that challenging time. And then great is ultimately where they we want them to get. Whatever great is for them. Great might be money in the bank. Great might be Lifestyle great might be you know family balance and whatnot, but yeah. So seven of us started go be great. Where I think we have eighty seven students already. Wow, <laughs> how <awkward> long <laughs> are you start? We're a one month company. Wow, but all of us have a really big networks and that's how it goes. So, are you coaching only real estate agents, or I only coach real estate agents. No. So I and within the company, I only coach real estate agents. I also coach the new coaches that wanna that wanna learn how to coach and someday be a coach for us. So I coach them Mm. and then I only coach real estate agents.
0: What do you find with agents is the single most item that's lacking or where where do they go wrong before you turn the ship around? Is it different? Maybe it's different for everyone,
1: but. No, there's some general ones. The first and foremost is database. Database, I think a lot of them, a lot of people don't have a database or they don't know how to work their database. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I see is too many people in database. And that's, you know, a lot of coaching companies, a lot of companies in general are just like, hey, put all these people in a database and send them an email, do this. Here's the problem. I'm coaching this, this gal out of, she's out of New York. Her database is like 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, okay, how can you be in relationship with 8,000 people? Yeah, right, yeah. So one of the things we teach is called a, we call it a referral pyramid or a VIP referral pyramid. And it's funny, it was, I was just talking to Brian about this this morning. And Brian's auditing his database, and he's starting to fill out his his VIP pyramid. And he goes, okay, Jay, I'm looking at this. You should have 10 people sending you 10 leads a year. And Brian goes, okay, and the next one is 25 people sending you one. So if you think about that, that alone, if you just have those 35 set up, you could essentially get 10 times 10 is 100, 25 giving you one is one is 25. So you got 125. That's 125 leads or deals for just 35 people. Right. So when you have this 8,000, you can't go into relationships. So I told Brian, look at it this way. Look at your 10 people as a first line, second line in hockey, because Brian's a hockey guy. Mm-hmm. I go, you can't put somebody in your third line until you know who's in your first line. So I go, you have to start by fill your first line. Fill your second line, so fill your starters, and then kind of go back. And he goes, well, I got this guy that I'm putting in my 10 that probably shouldn't be in my 10. And I go, but here's the thing, Brian, until you fill your 10... He's there. He's there. She's there. Yeah. I go. So you, what you got to do is you got to up, you got to top grade that person. He's an expansion team. So so <laughs> so that's essentially what I tell people is the first thing is their database, is really get their database and go get in and I tell them just go through your database. If you're if you're looking at your database and you look at a name on your phone and you don't want to call that person, they shouldn't be in your database, mm. because if you're if you don't want to call them. What's the chances they're gonna give you a lead? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean so yeah. so and I think we, we we're so focused on CRMs and and sending out people always ask me what's what's the best CRM? The one you use. Yeah. I mean I mean I use Excel sheets. Yeah. I mean yeah. my team's got a CRM. I don't know my login. Yeah. I, <laughs> use, it, I use I use I literally use Excel well, sheets. Yeah. So in the morning, Mandy prints out the calls I need to make.
2: Right.
1: And Mandy prints out their information. And then I make the calls. And then I write next to them and I give it back to Mandy so they can go put it in the CRM. Whatever CRM, it's just the one you use. So when you look at that basis, number one thing agents do wrong is they think they need more they think they need more contacts mm. and they think they need to passively send stuff to them and, and whatnot. And really it's the opposite. You need less people and you have the deeper relationship with them. A much deeper relationship with them. That's the best way to do it. And, and then you start building out raving fans, and then you can start to go, man, this person sent me eight leads, and my next lowest one is, is nine. Well, this person's got to go one tier down until they get to nine, and you mm-hmm. top grade. And then you can do life with these people. Like, like one, one, of the, one of the people in my top ten is Brian. Right. And here's another thing. Guess who is not in the most people's database? They're team members. Everybody, every one of my team members is considered a VIP to me. Now, they might not send me a referral, but do they dramatically affect how I show up? And so you got, you got to look at that. you got to build your community, build your tribe, build the support people around you, and then you, you, you filter. But that number one to me is database. Gosh,
0: where do I start here? Learn so much, or the it's, people it's, are learning so much as well but do you feel you learned all this through trial and error and just growing it like was your were your parents in real estate no. family members or just over time you've owned the store and you've
1: had a trial and error? continuous learning continuous. i think it's 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 trial and error trying to learn from others hiring out coaches i i truly believe everybody should have a coach or a mentor during all of their life I don't think there's ever a time where you don't have a mentor Mm -hmm. or a coach, whether you're paying or don't paying. I currently have a coach. Even though I'm coaching a bunch of people, I will always have a coach. And and you get a coach that works in whatever area you're growing. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm building a coaching company with there. I'm still selling real estate. I'm building, you know, building my team. I'm coaching. So right now my coach works on me on basically two things, building a coaching company and being a better coach. So we're going through things like, things I never thought I'd go through. Uh, how do you get to the eight figure club in a click funnel? You know, how do you set all this up so I can have 100 coaches working for our company someday and every one of those coaches making an extra 10 grand a month? Mm-hmm. That's one of our big goals, to have 100 coaches making an extra 10 grand a month coaching something they love doing. And that's one of our goals. And so that's my coaches is helping me build that out. Uh, mm-hmm. Like how do you build out the subscription base? No, that's, that's what mine's working on. Have you ever heard of the mortgage marketing animals? No, I, but it keeps coming up to something called MBS, Mortgage Highway. Oh, I hear uh, that all the time. They were our coaches, but yeah. It's oh, sure other that, 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 that one keeps coming up from a lot of people I talk yeah, to in okay, the mortgage. So yeah, it's MBS. Like Subscription-based yep. mortgage. Service. Yeah, that's very of the piece of the mortgage guy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow,
0: <laughs> we're going to have to have Jay
2: back for part two. Maybe he'll bring Brian, yeah. my fellow Well, baby. the eight-figure <laughs> click funnel oh. yep. <laughs> a, well it's well it's similar to our club we've got a eight funnel cake yes. that, that, that we, uh, so
1: yeah so fast. so uh, a good friend of mine a good friend of mine my current coach he has hit that several times and that's essentially that's essentially what my little role in the company what great thing about our company is we have there's seven of us founders we're all we're all rock stars. I'd even put myself probably at the bottom of the seven. We're all kind of dividing up into where we where we either have a passion or we're really good. So I'm focusing on the subscription base, I'm focusing on the coaches, I'm focusing on the certifications and some of the content and some other ones are focusing on the events and they're focusing on the the building the team out and whatnot but um but we the
0: country
1: We're all over the country. North Carolina's got two, Tampa's got one, Texas has got one, Tennessee, Nashville. My, my boy Ben Wilson's out of there, super smart guy. Mike Wood, one of my closest friends, he's out of Reno, Nevada. He's there, so yeah, we're kind of all spread over. And they're not all Edina, right? No, they're, they're, oh. they're all real estate agents with they're the exception good. of two of them. Two of them have, are mortgage lenders. None of them are Edina. Got it, got it. <laughs> and none of them are Berkshire Hathaway, which is Edina's main right. umbrella. Yeah, so... We're just, we're just collectively were a bunch of coaches that have been coaching for a lot of years and that we just thought we could build a coaching company that was truly dedicated to taking care of the client and um, also providing an opportunity for people to grow through coaching. Because one thing I do know is I learned, you, know, you talk about like where does this all come from? <laughs> you learn so much like coaching students paying at a very high level. Like the students there, them they're paying $3,500 a month. Right? Mm-hmm. So they demand results, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're coaching, when I'm coaching, I'm coaching 50 students a year. They're paying $3,500 a month. They demand results. So in that 10 years, I had to find ways to get them the tools and resources they need, right. which in turn meant I had to be better. Right, right. Like I, I had to be better to be able to give better, right? Yeah, the pressure's and, so, on. and so that's kind of what that came yeah. to quick story
2: you mentioned you talked about how one time Brian had to kind of put you back into focus you know look at the sign on the wall here this is our Corvette something like that happened with Brad and I one time uh, (laughs) a young gal came into the to the bank she wanted to get a mortgage I said come on sit down have a seat we'll talk about and uh, about five minutes into it Brad knocks on the door and I says can I see you for a minute I said just a minute so I walk out there I And Brad says, does this sign on our wall not mean anything to you? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, right here it says, he said, read it to me. And I read it and it said, no shirt, no shoes, no service," he said. That girl's not wearing shirt, a uh, shirt or shoes, and you're in there. He's like, I so I had to kick her out. We've since taken the sign down.
1: Yeah, I would okay, take the sign but, down uh,
2: so that uh, we can relate to that.
1: So. Yeah, our case was our case was a client. There was a client that was a client and it was commissioned. And the seller who was not our client, the buyer was our client, the seller was not gonna provide the no, it was a earnest money, the seller was not gonna provide the earnest money back. And Brian felt like Brian felt like we should cut that check. Yeah. And when he laid it out to me that one thing he was talking about was one of one of the things on our walls that we try to live by every day is the relationship is more important than the transaction. Mm-hmm. And so as Brian explained it to me in that situation, he goes, Jay, by refunding the earnest money, even though the seller wouldn't give it to us, mm-hmm. so it came out of, you know, came out of my profit and loss, mm-hmm. by refunding the earnest money, we saved the relationship. And so that person would someday buy from us again and probably buy from us multiple times. Yeah. Right. If we don't refund, it, yeah, if we don't it. refund it, we probably lose that client. And but we saved the earnest money check, whatever it was. And I don't think it was a lot of money. But Brian basically came to me and says, I I believe I believe we should refund the earnest money even though the sell even though the seller won't. I believe we should do it so much that I'm willing to pay half of it. And mm-hmm. he goes, so Jay, you only have to cover half. And so that was one of the things. But that's that's one of our most important most important values of our company is the relationship's more important than the transaction. I would say that one tests me the most. Yeah. That one tests me the most. And and you know, we have do the right thing up there. That one's, pretty, that one's for the most part pretty easy because like, I think everybody's mind, you have your own truths. Mm. You can spin your own truth any way you want that think you're doing the right thing. Making sure the relationship comes before the transaction is one that we really live by. Another one that's tough on a team is hold yourself accountable, and then there's a comma, and hold others accountable. Mm. So that one's tough because it is as the owner of the company and, and the team, I'm probably the one that violates the accountability more than anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Like, If I come in late, that basically tells the team they can come in late. So there's that line when it comes to leadership where it's like, I always thought leadership was you get to this point, you arrive, you throw your feet up on the desk, you put the crown on, and you're there, right? No, it's even worse than that. You get there, now you have to be even better. You have to hold yourself to a higher accountability than the rest of the team because if, if you stray on something, you just gave them permission to even do more. Mm. So it, it's, I tell people if they want to build a team, they want to have the leadership role. It's not fun. It's <laughs> because it, it, it comes with obligations and it comes with things where it's like, oh, I really want to do this, but I can't. Right. And so Because I mean people are always watching. Yeah.
2: yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Good stuff. Well, yeah, we're almost at an hour so Jay's are we gonna, really gonna have to back for, we might have to cut this down into three <laughs> episodes <laughs> we might have,
0: we're gonna have to have them come back again but yeah that was uh, great stuff impressive <laughs> yeah. information and yeah, hopefully people listen to us because a lot of people can it's, learn a lot of good stuff. I feel like we should pay
2: Jay $3,500 <laughs> for, that, for that hour. Send us an invoice. Yeah. No, no. If it yeah. wasn't a arrest violation, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, what I would, I mean, one thing too is, and I don't know, when you go forward for your podcast, what I would look at doing, see about getting agents that are taking advantage of AI. Because the other thing, you talk about trends for the future.
0: Um,
1: yeah. It really comes down to this ai will not replace the agent mm-hmm. but agents that use ai will replace agents that don't uh, that's good that's a good line ai won't replace the agent yeah. but those agents that adopt ai they'll replace the ones that don't so sure. so you should look at i would look at i don't even know who in the industry is doing a good job with it i would say we're just tapping into it but there's some yeah. really crazy apps out there and whatnot oh yeah well. <laughs> How would someone want to get a hold of you or the team? Would, would they call you? What number? Go to your website? What's the best way to J? You can call me. My cell number is 715-760-1189. Otherwise, you can go to either website and go to, I think our website's still jfletch.com. Awesome. Or you can go to gobegreat.com. That'll get to me too, either one. But that's my cell phone number. It's um, It hasn't changed for a long time. At some point, I do plan to... Turn my cell phone over to the team, get a new one, but I'm not there yet. That's one of my long-term goals. Well, thanks for coming today, Jay.
0: Fantastic. Great stuff.
1: Let's talk Brian into coming, too, next time. Brian would be good for, for like, why'd you stay with Jay? Right. I mean, he's been offered boatloads of money by these companies, mortgage companies that went out, not mortgage, real estate companies that went out and buy agents. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to mention any names, but Brian's been offered... I think he's been offered five figures multiple times, maybe one time six figures wow. to leave me. Really? So, I mean, there's some good conversations there. That stuff
0: doesn't happen in Canada.
1: That's why you stayed yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks for coming today, Jay. Thank you, Jay.